Hi, I'm Ryan. Welcome to Bible on the Beach. Today we'll be in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Now, the function, the purpose of uh, Bible on the Beach is to help disciples make disciples, to help churches plant churches. So I do this because it's our goal to teach the whole Bible on the Beach 20 minutes at a time to help you grow, to help you feel like you have the tools that you need to connect with God every day and to grow in your relationship with Him. So having said that, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 4 today. Let's see what God has to say to us. Now Acts chapter 4 starts out, Peter and John have been arrested and they have been brought before the authorities to give an account for their preaching. Now if you'll remember back in Peter's life, he had actually denied Jesus uh, three times before people. He had wrestled with um, anger management. He chopped a guy's ear off. Peter had every reason to feel disqualified in what he was doing for God. I just want to pause right here. You don't have to serve God for five minutes to feel like you're not good enough. Uh, you'll have things in your past that you'll regret. You'll have things that you said. You'll have things that you did. Uh, you'll have things that you wish you could take back. You wish you could go in a time machine. And uh, we don't have a time machine. What we have is God's grace and his mercy to forgive us of our sins, to encourage us to keep going forward in our calling. Now, Peter was a mixed bag, just like we are. He was full of strengths and full of weaknesses. But Peter had an ability to keep going. And I'm hoping that you'll have the ability to keep going in your life, no matter how discouraged you feel. So Peter had made all of these mistakes, and Jesus has said, no, 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 you're the rock, you're Peter, and I'm going to build my church on your confession, and also you as a person, I'm going to use you as a catalyst for what I want to do at the very, very beginning of expanding this thing called the church. And so we pick it up in Acts chapter 4, Peter is, is slowly overcoming all of his flaws, he's learned how to pray, he's learned how to be patient, he actually did pretty good with this first message. On the day of Pentecost, God used him to bring a lot of people into the church. <clears throat> that was the fun part. Speaking to big crowds is the easy part and the fun part. Now comes the tough part. He's falsely accused him. He's going to end up in prison here. And uh, he gets to testify about what God has done on be in his life to a hostile audience. So we find that when we serve God, we, we get both the good and the bad. We get both the things we like and we don't like, and that's all part of the package. Contrary to what we promote in North America, which is essentially just one mountaintop to another, uh, no, life's full of valleys, uh, difficulties, tests, all kinds of things will come your life. It's okay, it's normal. That's what it means to follow Jesus, just like it did for Peter and John. So let's pick it up here. It says, the teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests. So sometimes you can speak the words of God and everybody doesn't like it, and everybody doesn't love it. The reality is, is sometimes when you teach the Bible, every book, some people love it, and it makes other people angry. That's just part of teaching the Bible. And by the way, um, if you teach it uh, accurately and correctly, you'll have both those responses. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're trying to, if you're having a, a tiny humble church in a coffee shop. There'll be people that love it and hate it. You can have a giant church. There'll be people that'll love it and hate it. It's a test of leadership when you learn that your audience is for one person. It's God. Are you doing what God's asked you to do? That is what success is. Is if you're a believer, and this is what God had called 
John and uh, Peter and John to do. It says he angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. They were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is a resurrection from the dead. Now they didn't they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, so they were angry about it. You'll get uh, some people in life they'll love you as long as you say everything they say or there'll be people that'll love you in life as long as you believe everything they believe and you'll have people that'll love you in life as long as you feel everything they feel and uh, a test of leadership is do we teach what God wants us to teach do we behave the way God wants us to behave do we do the things that God wants us to do regardless of how other people feel about it so so while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. So yes, you'll have opposition if you follow God. Everything isn't perfect all the time. Now, they had them arrested, and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. So... Yet there were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. So early on in the church, there again, there had been a great foundation laid. There had been a lot of prayer, really good leadership. Uh, they're really together in unity in what they're focused on. They're coming together as a team of early believers in Jesus. And God's really moving powerfully through them, so much so that God felt comfortable adding that many people into the church. You know, God adds the people to the church. We don't add the people to the church. God adds the people to the church. So sometimes God adds the people when God feels like they're ready to come in, not when we want them to. So sometimes God um, tests us in our leadership. <clears throat> now, men numbering almost 5,000, so back at, in those times they didn't necessarily count women and children with that number so we know that it was more people now verse 5 says the next day many Jewish leaders religious scholars and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem Annas the high priest was there with Caiaphas John Alexander and others who were members of the high priest family they made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them saying tell us by what power and authority you have done these things so now this is a blank slate for them to talk about Jesus they had asked, tell us by what authority you do these things. And now it gets really fun because Peter goes off. Now, <clears throat> we know that Peter went off because verse 8 says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit answered. So let me ask you a question. When people ask you a question about God, are you full of the Holy Spirit when you answer? This wasn't written just so that we could read about how Peter responded. There's something in there about how we're to respond. So we're to respond, we're always to say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the right way to answer this person in this situation. Now, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Now, he asks a question back to them saying, now why are you bringing us, in? why are you making such a big deal about this? we healed a guy that was actually hurting and so he says well then you and everyone else in israel should know it was by the power of the name of jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed so peter immediately says we did not do the healing jesus did the healing 
It's important to remember and always point to God whenever beautiful, miraculous things are happening. God likes it when we get him the credit. He doesn't like it when we try and take the credit. Now he says, you crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected and now has become the cornerstone. Now, Jesus was sent to his own people, the Jewish people. Some received him, some did not. They were looking for a political savior. They didn't find a political savior. Today, people are still looking for a political savior. The nature of politicians is not to save people. It's God's job to save people. Politicians can move the markers on the field to benefit certain groups of people. It's about, that's their function. They're supposed to try to create the best laws and whatnot for the greatest amount of people. Sometimes they're successful in that, sometimes they're not. Depends on the heart of the leader, depends on, depends on how long they serve. Jewish people were looking for a political leader. Jesus wasn't a political leader. Jesus is not a political savior. Jesus is a spiritual leader who's a spiritual savior. Big difference. Now, <clears throat> this Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, has now become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us. Listen, politicians and politics don't save people. Jesus saves This was an early battle in the beginning of the church. It's still going on now. And sometimes you get uh, people that want um, certain people to save them. Only Jesus can save. For there's only one name to whom God has given the authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. So this is again just saying, again, I'll just read it. For there's only one name by whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. So he makes it really clear. Look, you're, you're, you're looking for me to save you, I can't. You're looking for John to save you, I can't. The miracles that we, that we did, they can't save you. It's Jesus who saves us. Now, look at verse 13. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never never had religious training. Now listen, God will always go outside of the box that you want him to be in. You might be thinking, well, God only operates through educated people. Wrong. You might be thinking God only operates through uneducated people. Wrong. You might be thinking, well, God only operates through the rich. Wrong. You might be thinking, well, God only operates through the poor. Wrong. God operates through every human being who opens up their heart and genuinely wants him to move. It's beyond class. It's beyond distinction. It's beyond society. It's beyond culture. It's beyond language. It's beyond economics, incomes. It's beyond every category, every box, every way that we divide humans into subgroups and subgroups. God blows all of it out of the water and he moves through whom he wants to move. <clears throat> That's this blew their mind because in their mind, God clearly was only moving through the religiously trained, highly educated people. And their message makes it very clear. God's when God's anointing is on you, he will make it totally clear to the people who interact and or hear you teach or you have relationship with 
that God, he is with you. God's anointing is what puts his stamp, his mark of favor on your life, not the boxes we check for people. God loves to operate outside of the boxes that we think he operates and never, ever forget that. Now, they, they then began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Now, this is a huge point. When you spend time with Jesus, it will be Jesus that changes you. Jesus will give you the thoughts to think. Jesus will give you the vision. Jesus will get, tell you how to feel. Jesus will show you how to interact. If you spend a lot of time with Jesus, that is the mark that will be left on your life. This was the mark that was on Peter and John. They had physically spent time with him and then, and then in prayer they were also spending a lot of time with him, praying to him and talking to him. Now, standing there with them was the healed man and there was nothing further they can say. So you see, God will always use your good works to silence critics. God will always use the, uh, the ministry that you do for people as your best testimony. So it's why we're to serve others. It says, so they ordered them to leave the room while they discussed the matter. Amongst themselves, they said, what should we do with these men? Everyone in Jerusalem can, can clearly see that they've performed a notable sign and wonder. We can't deny that. But to keep this propaganda from spreading any further among the people, let's threaten them severely and warn them to never speak to anyone in this name again. <coughs> so they had them brought back in before the council and they commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. you got to love Peter's response here. He jumps on it. But Peter and John replied, You can judge for yourselves if it's better to listen to you or to God. Wow, that's heavy. <laughs> it's possible for us to stop thinking about all the things we've seen and heard. So he basically says, Look, dude, you you do whatever you want. You say whatever you want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise my right to say what I feel like God needs me to say. And they lean into that. They make it very clear. Regardless of what you say, I, I have to say, I have to teach the things that God has put on my heart. And really, again, you know, success, worldly success is just a, a totally arbitrary cultural definition. Literally, people just make success up out of thin air like the Fed printing money and they just basically say, well, this is success according to my culture. No, 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 no. Those are cultural definitions of success. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you follow Jesus, here's what success is. You pray, you understand what God's telling you to do in your life, and then you do it or you don't do it. That's success. End of story. End of story. That's why the most important thing that you can do as a believer is to get with God, pray to God, say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What am I here for? And then go do it. That is success. That is what you will answer to God for when you die and you stand before him. He won't ask you all these worldly definitions of success. He'll ask you, did you do what I asked you to do? Whoa. You don't want to be able to, you don't want to say, well, I don't know, dude. Uh, I didn't really pray a lot, a whole lot. I was busy. You don't want to hear God tell you that you're an idiot. Get with God and pray and then go do what he tells you to do. That is what we're supposed to do. Now, verse 21, since the members of the council couldn't come up with the crime they could punish them for, they threatened them once more 
and let them go. All the people praised God, thrilled over the miraculous healing of the crippled man. And the man who received this miracle sign of healing was over 40 years old. So Peter and John are given this beautiful opportunity to talk about the Lord, to talk about what he's doing in their life. They seized it. They spoke exactly what God wanted them to speak, and God used them. I want to ask you a question. Are you doing what God's asked you to do in your life? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to pray right now. I want you to take this moment and say, God, show me what it is that you want me to do while I'm here on earth for you. Show me. Reveal it to me. And then give me the courage to do whatever it is that you ask in fact, give me the courage to say yes beforehand, even if I don't like it or I'm scared. Man, I pray today that you will have the courage to do whatever it is that God has asked you to do with your life. In Jesus' name. Man, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you had a great uh, time listening to this today. If you would like to subscribe, you can do that on our on the YouTube channel. Um, and then if this is you're getting a lot out of this, please mention it to someone else. That's how we want this to grow. And until and as always, until we meet next time, I hope you have an awesome day.